How's it going today, guys? Once again, back here for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Monday, April 9th. 2018 and I just had to take last week off guys I was on spring break I needed a break man school and everything's been killing me I really did miss though doing the podcast but I'm back here again for another episode and the first thing I want to do is just say what I tell you all about Villanova man their head and shoulders better than everybody nobody could compete with them and we saw it they beat every single opponent by double digits I mean that's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in a tournament I've never seen a team like Villanova that's that much better than the rest of the field so big shout out to them on doing good and also how about the Braves, man? I mean, they're hot. They're the highest scoring team in baseball. They've started the season off excellent. They've had guys like Ozzy Albez, Preston Tucker, um, Fred, obviously Freddie Freeman. I mean, I think he's the most underrated star in the league. He's killing the ball. All they've been doing is going off. So, I mean, big shout out to the Braves for also shutting out the Rockies at home. I mean, that's pretty hard to do in Coors Field where the ball travels farther because of that thin air. So, Braves are looking good. And we'll turn it over to Sean Anderton, my executive producer, to give you all a little golf talk about the Masters. What's up, everybody? My name is Sean Anderson, and I am here to break down the Masters, uh, all things Masters, sort of give you a preview of the upcoming 2018 PGA Tour golf season as well. Um, so over the weekend, as most of you guys know, obviously, the Masters took place, and uh, I was actually fortunate enough to attend on Sunday, uh, which was you know very exciting. And for those of you who have been to the Masters, it's a, it's a great experience. I uh, highly recommend going if you get the opportunity to do so. Um, you know, but for, but first and foremost, I just want to say, you know, congrats to uh, Patrick Reed for taking home the green jacket. Uh, he was, you know, phenomenal the whole weekend. Obviously, uh, you know, he kind of he came into Sunday with I think I believe it was a three stroke lead, and uh, you know, he just he just battled, man. He just, I mean, it was it was crazy every time. It, it was uh, on Sunday in particular, his round was was every time he would bogey, he pretty he pretty much answered it right back with a birdie, and uh, that takes a lot of resilience. You know, it's you know there was a lot of pressure on him for sure. You know, with Spieth making his huge charge, uh, Ricky made a charge at him. Um, you know, and that was definitely I'm sure that was in the back of his mind as you know, he, was, he was watching that leaderboard. So, um, you know, hats off to him. You know, he he came into 18 just needing a par, and uh, you know he he got it done. I mean, he had a good drive, uh, good approach. The putt was a little shaky. He left himself a little bit of meat um, for his par save, but you know he ultimately knocked it in and uh, won himself a green jacket. So, um, you know, it was just really impressive to see uh, Reed's just resilience and his ability to, you know, stay calm, cool, and collected after a bogey. Um, you know, again, so hats off to Patrick Reed. Um, but also, I got to touch. Also, got to touch on Spieth. You know, Spieth was just his charge on Sunday was almost historic. Uh, he just came short on 17 and 18. Um, he started, I think it was five under after nine, which is just ridiculous. I mean, um, you know, I think he started the day nine back, and at one point was tied with the leader with with Reed at 14 under, which is just, I mean, that's that's just insane. Um, you know, Spieth is just a type of guy that, you know, can do that. When his putter's on, man, he just – he really can make uh, big moves on, on, on Sundays. So, um, you know, hats off to Spieth for, for making a charge. I, I thought that, you know, it was unfortunate, even though, you know, that bogey on 18 ultimately didn't 
hurt him just because he he did finish uh, two back, and even if he would have parred 18, uh, he still wouldn't have been able to force a playoff with Reed, obviously, because Reed was able to finish at 15 under. Um, but again, I mean, on, on 17, I was actually right there on 17 when he had that, like, I think it was like a 10 to 15 footer for birdie, and uh, he just missed it. Um, you know, he makes that. And then he goes in, you know, he goes into 18 and, and birdies that too. He's right there. He's in the playoffs. So it was just, man, it was, it was close. I think he shot overall shot a 64, uh, which is just insane. And then the course record, I believe is a 63. I was talking to, um, some of the employees there and, and if he would have, sh- I mean, he had a chance to shoot 62 and break the course record and full and force a playoff ultimately with Reed, which is, that would have been, that would have been just ridiculous. But, um, you know, nonetheless, I mean, uh, excuse me, Spieth was just insane the whole weekend. Um, you know, I guess obviously he's kind of kicking himself for not making uh, as big a move on Friday and Saturday. He's, he started the tournament really well on Thursday. Um, I think he shot like five or six under on Thursday and was in the lead. He just, you know, didn't make didn't make the moves that he needed to on Friday and Saturday. Um, and ultimately, that's kind of what came to came to bite him. Um and then moving on, obviously, we got to touch on Rory a little bit. Rory kind of, uh, you know, came into Sunday. I think he was, yeah, he was paired with Reed. So he, um, coming into Sunday, he had the best chance at, at um, you know, taking Reed's throne. And uh, ultimately, Roy just didn't play very well. He's, he's He kind of choked, to be honest. Um, didn't really show up. Didn't have the round that he wanted. Uh, I didn't get to catch a whole lot of Rory, I guess. I don't know what all was going wrong exactly with him. Um but I mean, ultimately, he just he just didn't get it done. Uh, and, and you know, Rory, I, my thing with Rory is I've never really been like super impressed with his putter. Like he never really seems to get on a huge roll with his putter recently. Um, and obviously, that's what you really need to to win a major tournament. Um, that's kind of what it all comes down to. And, and he just hasn't really he doesn't really seem to uh, be he hasn't really shown his his putter. Uh, to, to really get on a roll uh, recently. So um, ultimately just, you know, Rory, disappointing tournament for him overall, disappointing finish in particular. He played very, very well. Um, obviously being in the final pairing on a Sunday at Augusta's, you know, you got to play pretty well to get there. But, you know, I'm sure he's be the first one to tell you he was not too happy with his Sunday performance. Uh, and then moving on, I got to touch on Ricky a little bit. Ricky, I think, I mean, I think he finished Sunday. He, I think he shot four or five under. Um, he made a run. He made a charge at it, ultimately finished in second. Uh, at 14 under, uh, which was awesome to see. Would have loved to have seen a playoff between him and him and Reed. That would have been a lot of fun. Ricky's obviously uh, be- really become a fan favorite um, among golf fans, and he's you know fun guy to watch. Uh, you know, gave it his best on Sunday. Um, just just fell one stroke short. Uh, it was exciting to see him birdie 18, and uh, you know that. And that could have been that could have been what what uh, what forced the playoff. But again, Reed just was just too resilient. Um, and then uh, ultimately, I think that's. I mean, I guess I I, I got to touch on Tiger, of course. You know, Tiger didn't have his greatest tournament. Um, you know, I'm sure he he's obviously the first one to tell you he didn't. He just wasn't particularly his irons. I don't think we're we're very uh, on with him. He was he just wasn't uh, as precise as you need to be uh, with your approach shots at Augusta. Um, uh, as, as Tiger, you know, needed to be. And I think that, uh, he did play pretty well on Sunday. Actually, I was able to, uh, watch him a good bit I think he shot like three or four under on Sunday, but just ultimately didn't have a good enough tournament. Um, 
you know, I think, and I think again, that was largely due to his uh, approach shots just weren't as precise as they needed to be. Um, but overall, I, I think Tiger. I, I mean, ever since he's been back, uh, these you know what two or three tournaments he's played in, he's he's looked pretty good. I mean, I know he hasn't won any. Um, but he's he's already shown signs of of being fully back, right? I mean, he's not, you know, I, I don't really consider him fully back until he wins the tournament, and you know, he'd probably be the first one to tell you he, he would agree. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I think he's he's shown signs of of, uh, of returning to his to his former glory. I think that it'll be interesting to see how he progresses throughout this season, uh, and hopefully, I mean, obviously, the big question is can he stay healthy, right? That's been his problem for years now. Is his he's had back issues, uh, you know, some surgeries. He's having to rehab a bunch, and um, you know, ultimately, that's that's going to be the biggest question: is is, is can he stay healthy? Um, and then on top of that, can he uh, start to really find his former form um, and ultimately c- compete again for major titles? Because that's obviously what we all want to see. You know, Tiger's so great for the game. I mean, he's there's no doubt about it. You know, say what you want about his personality, but um, and who he is as a person, but. Um, there is no doubt he is he is great for the game of golf. He he just reinvigorates the fan base. Uh, it's he's always exciting to watch, and uh, it, is, it is glad to just see him back out there. I was I was just happy he made the cut so I could I could see him. Um, that that's always special seeing Tiger at Augusta. Um, you know, moving on. I know Phil didn't have his greatest weekend. Um, Phil's obviously you know another legend of the game. Um, and uh, you know Phil's getting up there. I think he's forty seven now. Um, so he's getting up there in terms of his time on the PGA Tour, um, you know. But ultimately, I mean, Phil just won recently, obviously. So Phil still has what it takes to win, uh, you know, tournaments in major tournaments, uh, even. So I think that uh, obviously is going to be interesting to see what we get from Phil for the remainder of the season. Um, you know, Dustin Johnson again, who is uh, the number one overall player right now in the world ranking. Uh, that might change now after the Masters, but um, you know, Dustin, I think he had a good Sunday as well. Uh, I think he finished at like seven or eight under, um, which is obviously you know pretty good sign from DJ. Uh, you know, obviously he was out a little bit. Uh, he was out at last year's Masters, I believe, with that with that back injury, I think, or something along those lines. I don't remember exactly, but, uh, you know, DJ, it's just, all these young guys are just so exciting to watch. They're just a great uh, group of young guys. Justin Thomas as well, who was paired, who was, uh, paired with Spieth on uh, Sunday. He's always fun to watch. He's had some, a lot of success recently. I think he's world number two right now. Um, I could be wrong, but he's up there. Um, and it's just, you know, it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting year with all these young guys. Uh, compare that with, you know, the likes of Tiger being back, with the likes of Phil still playing. Um, it, it'll be an exciting year. I, I think that um, ultimately I do think Patrick Reed is kind of here to stay. Um, I was, you know, he's a guy that, you know, kind of got famous after on his, after his uh, Ryder Cup performance. Um and, uh, you know, now that he's captured a, a major tournament, I think that's obviously a huge, huge confidence boost. And uh, I think I think Patrick Reed will be here to stay. Um, but uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, what we get from him 
throughout the rest of the season. Um, with that said, guys, I think that's going to do it for me for the golf segment, and I'll toss it back over to TP3. Thanks, Sean. That was a great piece about the Masters. I mean, that was a crazy Masters Sunday. Patrick Reeves just a little bit ahead of the field. Would have loved to see Spieth come back and catch him, but, you know, that's how it goes. But let's talk a little MLB. Now, the season started up, and obviously the biggest talk in baseball so far has been Otani, the uh, outfielder slash pitcher for the Angels. And, I mean, I'm going to have to say I was wrong about this kid. I mean, I said I thought the pressure would get to him and he wouldn't be ready for the spotlight, but I forgot he didn't speak English. So, I mean, he really can't even understand what everyone else is saying about him. But this kid is a beast, man. I mean, he's hitting 389 with three home runs. I mean, his first start didn't go that well, but he got the win, got out of there with a 450 ERA, but he got his ERA down now in the twos after yesterday. And he went seven innings, gave up one hit and struck out 12 batters. I mean, this kid is one of the future phenoms of the league, and I'm just going to have to say I was wrong about him. I mean, straight up, I did say that he'd be more of a pitcher, which looks a little bit better for me. But really, though, I've never seen a player dominate both sides of the plate like this. I mean, everyone says he's the next Babe Ruth, so, I mean, we'll have to keep our eye out for that. But, I mean, this kid's just good, man. He's got stuff. I mean, he was punching batters out left and right yesterday, which is what you want to see out of a young pitcher like him. So I really do think that he can keep this up and that he just needs to keep – if he can – I mean, if he hits 280 and hits 25 home runs, that's a good season, but I mean, he's already on the way to have a much better season than that. So I definitely think this kid will keep playing and he'll keep balling. I was definitely wrong about him. I mean, we are only uh, basically two weeks into the MLB season, but people need to watch out for him. He's definitely got his stuff. Now, another question mark I have so far about the MLB season is will Gabe Kapler remain the manager in Philadelphia? So obviously the fans were not very happy about some of these pitching changes he's made and some of the other moves he's made. Most most uh, specifically is him pulling Nola in that first game of the season against Atlanta when they're up 5-0 and he was only 68 pitches deep. I mean, fans are not very happy about that. The fans have even booed him already in Philadelphia, which is kind of crazy because the season has literally just begun. But uh, Kapler, I personally think, will stick around as the Philadelphia manager for a little bit longer. But, I mean, I could see him getting pushed out of there after a month. If they're, I mean, if they're below 500 badly at the end of this month, I could see him gone that quick. He pulled Arietta yesterday after four innings pitched, which the fans were not very happy about either. And the Marlins ended up winning this game 6-3. So Philly fans are not very happy about it. And I think Kapler's time's numbered. If he doesn't get it together by the end of this month, I mean, if they're playing real below 500 ball, he's definitely done. But I think they'll give him two months to get the team above 500. But, I mean, if they're not above 500, he's out of there. And, honestly, I don't agree with the moves he made either. I watched that whole Braves game, and we could not touch Nola. I think we had, like, one or two hits off him. There was nobody doing anything to him. And he was throwing good stuff. I mean, Arietta was giving up a decent amount of hits, but he was barely over. 70 pitches when they pulled him, which makes absolutely no sense. I mean, Kapler, I feel like, is just trying to do too much. Managers in baseball have a lot more effect or have a lot of effect on the game just because they can pick who they want to pinch hit, who they want to bring in to pitch, and all those strategic things, and Kapler's just been losing on that side of it. And as a manager, he's not getting the job done. So if he doesn't turn things around here and start to get the job done, I think he's gone for sure. So this is uh, Tuesday now, April 10, and all that was recorded on Monday. So we're combining today's episodes, but I'm going to keep running with the MLB. And what I want to talk about is don't sleep on the Mets, man. How about these Mets? They're 8-1 and one right now, and they really are a slept-on team. They've got guys like Mats in their rotation, Syndergaard, DeGrom, Harvey, Vargas, Wheeler, not to mention Familia closing games out in the pen. They have decent hitting. They added Todd Frazier to their team. I mean, they have his Drupal Cabrera at shortstop. It looks like a pretty stacked team. They got 
young guys like Conforto. I mean, I'm a real big fan, honestly, of this Mets team, and I think they're a real sleeper team in the NL. I mean, they were good two years ago. They weren't very good last year, but you know how it is a lot of times in sports teams that losing the championship tend not to do as well the next year. So I think that curse is kind of off them. I mean, this has been an excellent team pitching, and it's really what's helped them. They're kind of middle of the pack right now hitting. They're about 13th in the MLB in most hitting stats, but like 13, 15 range. But this is a pitching staff that's second only to Houston in them. Or that was going into last night. I'm not sure what Houston did last night, but the Mets last night played. They only gave up two runs, one four two over the Marlins, and they've only given up 24 runs on the season. I mean, this is really good. This is a team that in the MLB. I mean, I just think it's all about pitching. I mean, yeah, hitting stepped up a lot, but this is a team for baseball now that's built with all these stacked up pitchers, and I think it's a team that could make another deep run if they're able to keep these guys healthy. And I mean, if these guys keep dealing, this is a Mets team that can easily maybe win this division or even I mean I think they easily make a wild card spot if these guys keep pitching like this nobody's gonna be able to keep up with this pitching the Nets are striking guys out left and right and I mean pitching wins games in the end I mean good hitting can only get you so far but you got to have those aces that's why I think the Astros are going to beating the Yankees but the Mets have the aces they have the arms and I think they can go deep So over the course of the season, there's lots of storylines and over the course of players careers, sometimes we question if they're the best at doing something or if they do something special that no one else can do. And I'm going to come out on a limb here and say James Harden's the greatest ISO player ever. And I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, it's Kobe Bryant, but I'm here to tell you it's not. And my first reason is, first off, ISO basketball is the worst way to play basketball. It's a fact. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm mostly an ISO player when I play, but if you're not hitting shots, it's not going to work out. ISO basketball, it's slows the game down. It makes the ball stick in one spot rather than moving it around the floor and moving the defense. And it really hurts the rhythm and the flow of the game. But James Harden's found a way to make it amazing. Harden averages 1.24 points per ISO possession, which is the most ever. The next closest is 0.9, which is by Kobe Bryant. And there's only been 35 players in the history of the NBA to have 500 plus ISO possessions. One of them being Harden, LeBron and Kobe are two of the others that do it a lot. I mean, I just think he's the greatest to ever do it at this. I mean, he this season, he has 868 points off at ISO, which is more than the second closest team because obviously the Rockets are the highest because he's on their team, which is 801 by the Cavs. I mean, LeBron's the next closest player to him, which is in like the 600s with ISO points and their team's at 800. I mean, that's just not very good. Nobody's even close to Harden. I mean, Harden's head and shoulders above the league with it. When he sees defenders, it's like seeing barbecue chicken. I mean, you cannot guard him. You give hard in space he's just going to bust a three in your face you get up in him he's going to blow by you and next person tries to step up he's either pulling up for a jump shot stepping back or drawing the foul on you I mean it's not possible to guard him and if you say we'll live with Harden getting a step back well Harden's 76 of 176 this season on step back three pointers which is also another amazing statistic and I just think that Mike D'Antoni has built a system around James Harden where he has five shooters or he has a guy like Capella where you can just destroy teams off the pick and roll. And honestly, the Rockets do stuff with Harden and with Paul that I've never even seen before. I've never seen teams use small forwards and shooting guards to run pick and roll, then pass it to that small forward and shooting guard and then let the small forward or shooting guard be the distributor of the ball. I mean, it's just amazing the way they play basketball. Mike D'Antoni had a system. I mean, it did work for him, but it got him fired. But he's found the most perfect player for his system 
and it's the most perfect system for James Harden, which he's built around him. He loves that pick and roll, and Harden just sees barbecue chicken when he sees pick and roll. If the center switches on him, he's getting that step back three in his face, which nobody wants. It's basically automatic. So I just think Harden is unguardable out of the ISO, and it's the best way to use him. I mean, this is absolutely the perfect team for him. Even when he gets tired, he just dumps the ball off to CP3 and lets him do his thing. And the other thing, too, outside of his scoring is D'Antonio made him uh, so much more efficient. I mean, D'Antonio, not D'Antonio, made him so much more efficient at just scoring the ball and passing the ball. I mean, Harden used to average like six assists per game. Now he got he's getting eight plus this season. But last year he led the league with 11. I mean, if you came up and double teamed him, he used to be turning the ball over a ton. But they made him even more efficient this season with adding Chris Paul to him. And they've given him more players to pass the ball to and get his assist numbers up. I mean, it's just a beautiful way the Rockets play basketball. And they've pretty much made one of the most unguardable players in the league. Absolutely. A hundred percent unguardable. So that's another reason right there why I think Harden's the MVP and why I think the Rockets are the best team in the league and they're taking this championship. I don't know about y'all, but I'm real excited for the playoffs. We got a lot winding down. We had the Spurs and Thunder clinched playoff spots last night. So big things right there. I mean, and the Pelicans actually did too, late night versus the Clips. So we're pretty much just waiting on this Timberwolves uh, Nuggets game. I actually realized that the Hawks uh, draft pick is top 14 protected if they get it from the Timberwolves. So that'd be pretty nice getting that Timberwolves pick because I mean, there's pretty much no way they're going to be top 14. So we get it either way if they make the playoffs or not. Uh, Nuggets just got Gary Harris back. So honestly, I'm going to predict a little upset here and say the Nuggets make the playoffs. And I think it'll lead to the firing of of Coach Thibodeau. I mean, he just didn't get it done, quite frankly. This team's ranked 13th in the NBA pretty much in total team defense, and that's not good enough when you have a defensive-minded coach, and they're clearly not getting it done at the offensive end. Uh, Now, they did lose Jimmy Butler, so I do give him a little bit of a break there, but I mean, come on now. Just because you lost Jimmy Butler doesn't mean you should fall back that much. We've seen teams lose players and do a lot better than that. I mean, I don't think it should drop them all the way back to the 8 seed without Jimmy Butler, but on top of that, they had already dropped the 5 seed before losing him, and this team could just be better offensively. I feel like they would benefit a lot more from a better offensive coach. I think they could spread the floor better, move the ball better. Um, I mean, I like Wiggins on the team. I just think he needs to get better at that spot up three point shot him and Butler both. They need to let Teague be the main distributor or let Butler do it or Jamal Crawford. But they need to figure something out. Towns is obviously an animal. We've seen him go for 50 plus. So I think if they could get a little bit better offensive coach in here and get a little bit better offensive system that we could really see them thrive and flourish this upcoming season. But them and the Nuggets play each other tomorrow night at eight. So, I mean, I suggest if you're a basketball fan, you got to watch the game. It's a huge game. So keep your eye out on that, on that. And, and this concludes today's podcast. We'll come at y'all tomorrow. I actually have some guests on. We're going to be debating all kinds of NBA stuff. And I'm going to give you all my predictions for what teams make the playoffs, what teams get left out, what teams claim what seeds and try to shed a little light on everything. But I'm so excited for the NBA playoffs. It's my favorite time of year, Saturday and Sunday. I will not move from my couch. There's four games each day. So I'm excited and let's get after it, guys. Once again, guys, thanks for tuning into another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. This has been Monday's episode. Uh, we got lots more coming for y'all this week, so just stay tuned. I got him on the end of the rice. The home and the ran with the dinosaurs. Every week I change my clouds. Got a fin that's throwing my house. Got a building garage in my house. Got to wash my wrist, cause a house.